I'm excited to be able to speak. Did everyone have a good time at Breakaway this last weekend? I sure did. I had a great time. I am not Andy, so I this will be a little different flavor than what you got this weekend, but he did a great job. He, is, he can tell a story. That is for sure. Well, do we have any plant lovers in the room? Anyone who likes plants? I did not know that, Joseph. You like plants too? I love plants. There is a plant in the house today. I didn't know that. This was like perfect timing. Wow. I, you know, my husband got a minor in, in botany. But ironically, doesn't love plants that much. Or as much as I do. I asked him permission. This is actually his idea. So anything I share was done with permission. But yeah, he does not like plants. And it's kind of become a point of contention because I love plants and the house plants have started to fill my house. And I think this is my perspective of like the look that I'm trying to go for. You can show that first picture, the one of like the nice house plants. This is kind of, you know, that's a lot. That's not what we're gonna do. But you know, it's aesthetically pleasing. But this is Steve's perspective of what this was going to look like. <laughs> I literally heard him, I overheard him sharing with one of my uh, friend's husbands, whispering in the corner, I think the plants are taking over and they're scheming to kill me. Like he has this whole imaginary thing that they're scheming to, to off him, which is not true. And that's not my plan. But anyway, I love houseplants. And I actually, you can take that, yeah. I actually think that it, my love of tending plants, I also garden vegetables, actually helps me look at scripture in a deeper way. And I know that's like a little, you know, slide in. So today we're talking about one of the teachings of Jesus that talks about being a vine and a branch. And this has so much more meaning if you've actually grown food before or maybe grown a houseplant. Does anyone have like, you kill every houseplant that you've ever had? This is, Jesus is not that type of gardener. And we're going to talk about that tonight. <laughs> he's a good, yeah, he's a good gardener. So anyway, tonight we're going to be opening up in the book of John chapter 15 starting in verse 1. And I'm just going to read through this passage, and then we're going to break it down, because I love to actually talk about what we're reading. So verse 1, it says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Vine dresser is just a fancy word for a gardener that tends to a vineyard. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes so that it bears more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I in you, just as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, but must remain in the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. The one who remains in me, and I am him, bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I love how repetitive this is. Um, verse six, it says, if anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown away like a branch and dries up and they gather them and throw them into the fire and they're burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My father is glorified by this, 
that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Just as my Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. So we're going to give a little bit of context to this. So Jesus was sharing this with his disciples as one of his last teaching moments before he went and sacrificed himself on the cross for our sins. And so his last words were very important. He was giving them this moment where he was teaching them and reminding them of a final, very important truth before he left. Because they walked on earth with him as his disciples, like living most moments with him under his care for three years. And he was about to leave them indefinitely. And so he had to share this important truth of what it looks like to stay in relationship with him when he's not physically present. So before commanding them in this whole passage, before commanding the disciples to do anything, he actually commanded them to what we call abide. Abide is just a fancy term for remaining, staying, or dwelling. So this translation that we read says remain, but oftentimes, who's ever heard the word abide before when Christians are talking? And who's been like, what on earth does that mean? Most people get it, and that's great. Well, abiding isn't a word that we use unless we're saying, like, abide by the law. Like, it's not a word that we use very commonly. But abiding literally just means to dwell in or to remain in something. So Jesus is asking his disciples to abide in him like a branch abides in a vine. He knew the temptation of human beings is to want to produce things and work, do works instead of first dwelling. And so he had a very important order to how he did this entire lesson. So I formulated three questions based off of his teaching that we can ask ourselves to see how good maybe we are at abiding. The first question that we can ask ourselves or we have to answer from this teaching is who or what is your vine? Who or what is your vine? See, we as humans are dwelling in something at all times. Jesus is reminding them in this right off the gate that I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Jesus is the vine. He is your source of nutrients. Your small group is not your vine. Your ability to be self-sufficient is not your vine. Working out and having a good routine is not your vine. Having self-control isn't a vine. Having a good family isn't a vine. Jesus Christ is the only vine that you can get true nutrients from. And he wanted to remind that to Israel because actually Israel was told previously in the Old Covenant, and we're getting a little deep this, morning, or this evening, that Israel itself was the vine. Being an Israelite was what you got, like, your nutrients from. But Jesus Christ is redirecting this to, I am the one that you get your life from. And then he says, the Father is the vine dresser. So God the Father, you get your source of life from me, but God the Father cares for you. He is not a distant God. He doesn't just expect us to do works while he's up in heaven, not acknowledging us. That He actually cares for us actively and is a good gardener. A good gardener, actually in this time, 
they would build their house in the middle of their vineyard in a watchtower, and their whole family would live up there. And they would literally watch over these vines for predators, for thieves, but they also were out there daily caring for the vines. So that's the image that God the Father is given in this passage, that he is in like this watchtower actively guarding and caring for you. Isn't that like a great image that we don't really see of the Father very often? In verse 2, it says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, so that it may bear more fruit. There's this picture of what the gardener, so he's talking about the Father, what the gardener has to do. So a good gardener, if you've ever gardened before, looks at a plant. So I grew tomatoes this year. And I had to go out and look at my tomato plants and see if there was any branches on there that had disease. Because there, there was a slug problem in our state this year. I don't know if anyone else was aware of this. But I was very, very aware. And so these slugs would, like, eat my tomato plants. And if one of them started getting eaten, it would get all soggy. And sure enough, like, this disease would start creeping down into the entire plant. And so a good gardener, as much as I didn't want to break off a branch with my beautiful tomato plant, I had to because the entire plant would be effective if I didn't. So a good gardener, our father, prunes and removes destructive things from our lives. Or he wouldn't be a good gardener. Is pruning fun? No. Not at all. Getting like things taken out of your life or adjusted by God, is not always fun, but so necessary. And there's multiple images that are happening in here. There's branches that aren't bearing fruit, but they're remaining in the vine. And then there's branches that are bearing fruit, but both of them get pruned. A good gardener removes disease because it affects the entire plant. But also there's this image that happens in, if you've studied ancient ways of taking care of vineyards, which I happened to do this week. So sometimes the, the gardeners would like train their grapes to go up on trellises, but oftentimes in like the initial stages, the grapes vines would just grow across the ground so they could get adequate sunlight. And then once they started producing fruit, they would like prop them up on trellises. But sometimes those vines wouldn't get sunlight and so they, the, the branch would produce no fruit. So a gardener in his little watchtower would notice this, and he would go over and prop up that vine so it could get more sun. So the word take away here is translated a number of different ways because Greeks, which this passage was written in, is a really deep language. So it doesn't always just mean take away, like cut off. It also means to lift up. So a good gardener, if a branch isn't producing fruit, lifts it up and gives it a chance to see the sun so it can produce fruit. And that's oftentimes what God does in our life. If we're attached to him and we're not producing fruit in our lives, he doesn't just like say, well, bummer, off with you. Like, no, he lifts us up and gives us an opportunity to see sun and get nutrients so we can produce fruit. Isn't that a blessing? Pruning happens in our life, and there's areas that God prunes in our life, and some of that is like removing sin from our life that steals nutrients from us. Another is pruning sometimes 
not sinful things in our life, but just habits that aren't helpful. There's been times in my life that I felt like God has pruned like social media out of my life for a season because I was like going through a busy time or I was like walking through a time of comparison issues. And so I felt like God was saying, hey, I have like all of this nutrients that I'm trying to give you and you're just throwing it into something like social media instead of actually like digesting it and letting it like grow you. And so I had to be pruned so that God's nutrients could actually benefit me. I hope that's making sense. Um, Pruning often looks like how we spend our time. Habits that we have, sin issues. Um, Are you open to letting God prune things out of your life? And do you trust that God is a good gardener? Oftentimes it feels like something painful isn't ever good. Our culture kind of runs from painful things. I don't know if you guys have noticed like, we, if we have a headache, we immediately take ibuprofen, which isn't a problem. I definitely do that. I'm not knocking that. But we have this culture that hates being uncomfortable. So when there's things in Scripture that make us uncomfortable, we're like, oh, that couldn't be God. But it's like being uncomfortable can actually be really good because we don't grow if we're never uncomfortable. In verse 3, it says, You are already clean because of the word of God which I have spoken to you. God's word purifies and cleans us. One of the things that a gardener does is when a branch starts producing fruit, the gardener props it up so it's out of the dirt, but then also washes it because there's a lot of times bacteria in soil. And so God's word acts like a cleansing agent for our life that causes our fruit that we produce not to spoil. Like he cares for us with his word. Um, Stay attached to the word of God because it cleans and it purifies you. We need to be centered on God's word or we begin to start to abide in other things. So what are you giving yourself permission to abide in? Are you maybe dwelling in fear, fear of the future or fear of failure rather than dwelling in in the vine, Jesus Christ? Are you dwelling in like this if only or this grass is greener on the other side mentality instead of dwelling in the vine? I remember I walked through this time I was taking a break from school and just working a ton and I had a ton of commitments. I was like volunteering at my church all the time. I was doing just tons of things. Who's ever been just so busy before? And I remember like really feeling like I had asked God about these commitments before I made them, but then all of a sudden, and like got permission to do these things, but all of a sudden it felt so overwhelming that I just wanted to quit everything. And I was having this battle with myself because I knew it wasn't good to quit, but I also was like, this isn't sustainable. And I finally like sat down and I I started actually seeking God and using him as the vine in my life and saying like, Lord, what like, what is the deal? Something needs to give. Either you need to give me permission to quit something, or I need to actually just be sustained by you. And I realized that in, like, all of my doing, I wasn't actually seeking God and being sustained by him. I was just living on my own ability. And it was actually, like, such a good time for me, because I think up until then, I had never been pushed to such a moment where I actually had to depend on God I was really self-sufficient, 
And this was a moment in my life where I couldn't be self-sufficient anymore, and I actually had to learn how to get energy from Christ. I actually had to learn how to take the Bible and let it transform my life. I think of Philippians 4.19. It says, My God will liberally supply every need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And that became a life verse of mine during that season. Do I trust that God will supply all of my needs? Will he actually give me energy? In Romans 12, 2, it says that we do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will be able to test and approve what is the will of God, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. When we allow God's word to transform us, it renews our mind and it recenters us on Jesus Christ, not on the other things that we choose to dwell in. There is a vital relationship between the branch and the vine. Verse number four says, Remain in me, and I in you, just as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, but must remain in the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. The one who remains in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And I think when I came to that moment, like that story I just shared, I realized for the first time that really apart from Jesus Christ, I can't do anything. Like I'm just Aaron. Apart from him, I can do nothing. And it was this humbling yet freeing moment when I was able to realize that, that I actually need Jesus. This teaching is actually less about bearing fruit and more about abiding. And I, got, I want you guys to hear this because oftentimes as human beings, we're such like producing people. Like we always think about like, like what can we give or what can we do? I don't know if anyone's like me. But this whole teaching starts with just abiding and reminding yourself that Jesus is your source before fruit comes into the picture. Remaining in Christ isn't a list of duties, but it is a heart position. So it's not this extra thing to do like, oh, I know you're already overwhelmed, but you got to throw abiding in there. Like, it's not an extra thing to do. It's like a heart position where you acknowledge that God is your source. Abiding looks like spending time with Jesus, though. Like, it, like you need God's word. You can't really abide if you don't know anything about God. Like, this part of learning about him and spending time in his word is abiding. So, yes, it is doing something, but it's more of just a heart position. We cannot bear fruit without Jesus Christ, but fruit bearing is inevitable when we abide. It's not something that we, like, actively, like, I don't just sit here thinking, like, I'm going to produce the fruit of this today. No, fruit happens naturally when a plant is connected to the source is a source of nutrients. If it's disconnected, it does not bear fruit, and it just withers and rots. But a plant that's connected to the source, the vine, bears fruit, because that's what a branch does. And we are branches, which is exciting news, because your purpose in life is not to be somebody that produces like nutrients for other people. Your purpose in life is to abide so that you bear fruit because you're a branch. And I hope that's freeing for someone. And bearing fruit happens when you abide. 
It's not something extra. We have such like a weird linear way of thinking. Our way of thinking is that we bear fruit so that our character changes so that we can abide with Christ. Like he'll accept us when we've bared enough fruit, right? But it's opposite. When we abide, it builds our character, which causes fruit to be produced. So what is fruit, right? That's kind of an abstract term. So fruit is Christian character, the character that looks like the vine. Fruit is produced like an apple tree produces apples. It's in character with the tree. So the fruit that we produce as Christians is character that we find in Christ, which is way more of an argument to read the Bible so you can figure out what the character of God actually is. In Galatians 5.22, it says, But the Holy Spirit produces the kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are the fruits that are produced in our life when we abide. Who wants more self-control in their life? Abide. You can't just, like, grunt out self-control. Sorry, that sounds so weird. (laughs) You can't just force yourself to be kind. Yeah, there's, like, willpower in that. You can't just say, like, well, I guess I haven't bared that fruit. Sorry, I'm so mean. Like, that's not fair either. But, like, the true, genuine fruit of kindness is produced when you abide. The true, genuine fruit of faithfulness, being faithful to something, is produced when you abide. If you're struggling in that, just spend time abiding and getting your source from Christ. When we make Jesus our vine, the fruit in our life must change. We can no longer bear fruit of another vine. Right before verse 22, where it talks about the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives, it goes through the fruit of the sinful nature. Things like sexual immorality, impurity, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness. Those types of fruit can no longer grow on a branch that is abiding in Christ. But listen, you guys, that's a process, right? When you are translated, so the word in this term would be grafted in to Christ. If you're like taken from a different vine and brought into the vine of Christ, which happens when you become a Christian, you start bearing fruit that resembles your new vine. But it's a process to discontinue the old fruit. And thank the Lord that he he is infinitely patient, which is one of the fruits of the Spirit. He is infinitely kind. He is infinitely good. He is gentle. He is faithful. He has self-control. He has love, joy, and peace. That is his character, and that's why we start producing that fruit, because we're in connection with him. That was a forever long first point, and the next ones are a little shorter. So the first question is, what, who or what is your vine? The next one is, am I paying a price rather than living in a promise? And what I mean by that is there is a price for not abiding, but there's a promise that comes when you abide. Trying to produce fruit for God without God 
drains the life out of you. You can't produce fruit for God without God. In verse 6, it says, If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown away like a branch and dries up, and they gather them and throw them into a fire, and they are burned. This sounds so harsh. And there are hard truths in the word of God. What this verse is not saying is if you don't produce enough fruit for God, or if the fruit in your life isn't good enough for God, he's going to throw you out. What it says is if you don't remain in Christ to the point where you die spiritually, what happens to dead branches in the vineyard world is they get thrown away because they bring disease. That is a very large thing. When you are maybe like have a day where you didn't really abide well in Christ, you don't die. So I just want to bring you comfort. So no one comes away thinking like, oh my goodness, I just, I'm, I must be dead because I didn't abide well. This is like a learning and growing process and we have a good gardener. So I want to bring you comfort. But there is a sobriety to the gospel that if we don't abide with God and eventually just cut ourselves off from him, there is death that happens spiritually in our lives. And that is something that we should be worried about. But if you're wondering and you're in relationship with God tonight and you're wondering, am I dead or not? You're probably not because you are wanting to be connected to the vine, right? And if God can graft you once from this old sinful nature vine into his, don't you think he can do that again if you're willing? In verse 7, it says, If you remain in me, this is the promise. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. The promise is that Christ will remain in you and you in him. That he doesn't just like wake up one day and choose like, ah, oh, kind of bored of this. I guess I'm out. Like that's not like he has this promise that when you remain in him, he remains with you. Which is actually a really comforting thing. He's not going to change his mind about you and be like, I wish I wouldn't have grafted that one in. That isn't our God. He cares for us. But I think sometimes we like question that. But that isn't who God is. There's a promise that when we remain with him, he remains with us. And I love this, that when whatever we ask, it will be done. That doesn't mean that God's like a genie in a bottle that we're like, I would like $10,000, Lord. That, that's not what that means. But when we abide with God, the things that like he has for us, we begin to ask for because our desires start changing in line with fruit. I love also where it says, in this you will prove to be my disciples. Um, bearing fruit glorifies God. And we don't produce fruit because it makes us look good, but because it glorifies God. And we produce fruit in line with the disciple of Jesus Christ. I remember there was one time, if you've ever been to like my Chi Alpha office, I have a bunch of elephants in my office because I really like elephants. And then people start giving me elephant things, which is really fun. But I remember I was at a friend's house and her roommate had a picture of an elephant. 
And I was like, oh, that's so cool. I love elephants. And then she goes to me, she goes, oh, they're my favorite animal. What do you like the most about them? And I realized in that moment that I was an elephant poser. I don't know. I, have no, I think they look cool. That's literally as deep as this love for elephants went. And I was like, I think she, you know, I, I think she actually knows what she likes about elephants. And so I go, let me think about that. What do you like about them? And she had this like huge detailed explanation about like them protecting their young and blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh my goodness. I realized in that moment that I did not produce fruit consistent with an elephant lover. I knew nothing about them. And she was a true follower of elephants. And that's what happens sometimes when we don't really abide in Christ. We really don't like have any fruit to show for it. And we kind of are like me with this elephant that I'm like, yeah, I love, I love elephants. But do I really? Because I really don't know anything about them. But when we abide in Christ, producing fruit becomes a natural thing. We start looking like Jesus. It doesn't really matter. Like this verse doesn't say anything about quantity of fruit. It just says fruit. And so it's not like there's this quota, like you must produce X amount of grapes this year. Or you're like, that's not what this is about. It's about just being of what a true branch is and a branch bears fruit. So allow yourself to bear fruit consistent with Jesus Christ if you want to abide in him. The third question and final question is, are you abiding out of love or out of duty? In verse 9, it says, Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. Abiding is all about love. This teaching is summed up, basically, what it means to abide is to remain in God's love for you. And that perfect love that sacrificed itself for you should change your life. And it shouldn't be something that we just take for granted. We do not produce fruit to earn God's love, but we produce it because we are loved. The most beautiful part of this is after this entire teaching is when Jesus gives his first like external command to love one another as I have loved you. And it's like he knew that if he started with that, love one another, the disciples would just shut off and be like, okay, we're going to try to really love people. Got to try to be like Jesus. Instead, he corrected their hearts and said, you have to abide in me, which means remaining in my love. And if you do that, my command I give you is to love one another. The commands of Jesus have to be done out of a heart that abides in him and not out of a heart that just wants to work for him. If the worship team could come back up. I was thinking about my kind of perspective as a child of like a motivation for why I did what I did. Sometimes our like child motivations are kind of funny, right? But they kind of don't change that much <laughs> at all. And I remember my motivation as like a child was so much to not make mistakes because I didn't want to disappoint people. And I was like 
such a driving force in my life. I just didn't want people to think I was trying to be bad. So it brought out this like defense mechanism. When I got corrected by somebody, I would like have to say like, oh, like I'm not saying what I did wasn't wrong, but I just wasn't trying to. Like I want you to know I didn't want to do like weird, right? Like I just needed people to know that I didn't want to be bad. And when I was preparing for tonight, I feel like that's kind of somewhat of our motivation sometimes. When God tries to prune things out of our life or correct things in our life, we just want him to know, like, I wasn't trying to. And we almost, like, get in this defense mechanism. Like, well, why are you trying to take that? Like, I could handle that. Or, like, we just try to defend ourselves and we just maybe want to please God. And then the devil starts heaping shame on us, like, well, why did you have that ugly fruit in your life? Something must be broken in you. You're not really a true branch. I don't know if anyone's heard that, that awful voice before of shame. But my perspective started changing when I actually had to start correcting people myself. And I remember like a really defining moment in my life when I realized that the heart of somebody that is correcting isn't to like heap shame on someone, it's just to try to have them do something the right way. And I had got to work this job where I like trained people how to do their job. And it was such a humbling moment for me to realize the type of person I was to be trained was pretty awful because I always had to defend my reasoning. But when God is like trying to instruct you and correct you and prune things out of your life, he probably already knows your reasoning for why you did what you did. And he just loves you and wants you to be whole and healthy. And I just really felt like God wanted to correct like that perspective in people's lives tonight, that like his corrections aren't shameful. They're just trying to cause you to be a healthier branch. And if you want to like receive that freedom to receive correction and conviction to God, I'm going to, or from God, I'm going to pray over you in that way tonight. How can you embrace pruning in your life? So with every head bowed, I just have a couple of prayer prompts. The first one is when I was talking and talking about like the old vine and the new vine, you realize that maybe you've never accepted the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and been grafted into the new vine. And that's something you want to do. You want to start a relationship with Christ tonight. If that's you, would you raise your hand? We're going to pray over that. If you want to just pray along in your heart with me, I'm going to pray a prayer over you. Lord, I admit tonight that I am a sinner in need of a Savior, that I have fallen short of who you are. But tonight I accept the sacrifice of your Son for my sins. And I ask that you would graft me into that new vine tonight. Amen. If when I was sharing that story, you feel like you've been someone that has felt like it's been hard to receive correction from the Lord, and you want that to be healed in your life tonight and have a healthy relationship with correction, if that's you, would you raise your hand? 
pray over you guys. Lord, I just thank you so much that you are a good gardener, that you just want us to be healthy and whole. And I just pray right now for every person in this room that feels like it's been hard to see your heart in correction and it's felt more shameful than anything, God, that that would be freed in their life tonight. Lord, that it would be an exciting thing when you correct them. As crazy as that sounds, that it would be a joyous thing, that they would feel your goodness and your love as you do that, Lord. In your name, amen. If abiding has been just a struggle in your life and you feel like you've been trying to live a godly life on your own without God, I would love to pray for you. Would you just raise your hand in acknowledgement of that? Lord, I just pray for every person that has just struggled to get their source from you, Lord. I pray right now that you would just show them practical ways that they can acknowledge you, Lord practical ways that they can truly abide and receive life from you, God. We just thank you and we praise you for who you are and that you're a good God and that we don't have to work for our salvation or work for your love, but it's something that you freely give. In your name, amen. We're going to spend a little time in worship. If you want to just reflect on those questions who is your vine? Are you living in a, out of a price or a promise? And are you abiding out of love and duty? Feel free to reflect on that during worship where you guys can stand as well. We're going to be, staff are going to be in the back if you guys would like prayer over anything during worship. 